Vanessa Viewings, author of the Enthrall Sessions, the Icon Trilogy, Perfume Girl, and drum roll, Pervade London, which just went live on Amazon KO. And I'm going to be talking more about that at the end of the show. As you know, this podcast is part of Authors on the Air Global Radio Network, and I'm super proud to be part of this wonderful network. This week's guest is the wonderful author, Pepper Winters. Pepper is a multiple New York Times, Wall Street Journal, and USA Today international bestseller. She's a master at writing dark romance, and I can't wait to talk to her about Tears of Tess, which was the first book of hers that I read. It was mesmerizing. Pepper's a hybrid author of both traditional and self-published work. Her Pure Corruption series was released by Grand Central Hatchet. Her books include the Indebted series and the Ribbon Duet. She's one of the most prolific authors that I know, and her books will leave you stunned with originality. I'm thrilled to chat today with one of my favourite authors. Welcome, Pepper Winters, to The Romance Show. Oh, thank you very much for having me. It's lovely. Thank you so much, Pepper. I'm thrilled that you can be here and chat with us. So I do want to talk to you. We're going back in time a bit, but your first, the first book that I read of yours was Tears of Tess. Tell okay, me. yeah, that, that is going back. <laughs> uh, was that your first novel? No, no, I had written before, but um, obviously it takes a while to to get semi-decent. So um, I, I scrapped quite a few before that, but that was the first one that I've published, yeah. And that really took off for you, didn't it? I remember, I mean, I was releasing Enthrall, my first book around that time, and I just remember the buzz around your book. What was it like to see that response when it just took off and got such a, you got such a following from that? To be honest, um, I I didn't actually see a lot of that. Um, I've never been the most social media of um, people, so... I missed a lot, um, you know, a lot of people said, oh, you know, there was all this buzz and it was on every site and everyone was talking about it, which obviously I'm super honoured and thankful for, um, but I didn't really see it myself. Um, obviously, I, I, I saw that it was doing well in the Amazon charts and, you know, people were, were reading and messaging and emailing me, um, but in terms of, you know, the craziness that people keep mentioning, um, I, I missed out. <laughs> but yeah, I, I'm just incredibly grateful for, you know, people accepting it considering the topic yeah it, I, I think it kind of really uh, a lot of uh, readers embraced it because I think because it, it was indie I think it enabled you to go dark and really go to some sensitive issues and yet you made them work really well and explored that kind of world um, but also had your own take on it um, was that why, I mean, did you feel like you just couldn't let these characters go and you just wanted to write more books in this series? Because there's more books after Tears of Tess. There is, yes. Um, basically, I, I, I guess I was very, very lucky in the fact that it was um, right place, right time. So, I mean, I've always um, liked darker books myself. That's what I read. I read a lot of darker fantasy and, you know, um, subject matter that isn't mainstream romance at the time. It is now. Um, and then I kind of just wanted to write that book and Q&T and popped into my head and wouldn't leave me alone. So I just kind of was on the, the, right, the right wave, basically, for that genre. And, uh, and yes, Tears of Test um, was um, set up to be a standalone, um, but then the characters wouldn't kind of leave me alone. So um, I bowed down to pressure and wrote another one, um, which, which worked out really well as well. So. 
Now, from your accent, we were talking a little bit earlier. I thought you were from New Zealand. I don't know why. I think it's because you're always posting from that beautiful photographs from there. But we were talking and you said, because I lived in Hong Kong, and you said you were actually born in Hong Kong. I think a lot of readers might not know that about you. That's fabulous. Yeah, yeah I was born uh, in an RAF um, hospital in, uh, in Sai Kung in Hong Kong. So, yeah, a small world. <laughs> Uh, it's great that you've lived there too, because uh, it's definitely a wonderful place to grow up. It really, I mean, I lived there when I was six, and I went back as a midwife in the army when I was like 27. So it's like, I was working as a midwife, I might have worked in the same place where you were born, which would have been amazing. Um, yeah, that would have been, yeah. Not at the same time, because I'm not that old, but um, that's pretty fantastic. So you've got, you've got travel in your blood. What, what's the most wonderful place you've ever visited? Oh, I think, um, oh, that, that's a really tough question. I love every country for, you know, its differences and cultures and things. Um, my husband and I, we met in Australia. We lived there six years together. Um, but he's from Montreal, so we go over that side of the world quite often. Um, and we've just got back from Bali. Uh, we love Indonesia. We go there at least uh, every other year. And Thailand we love. We go there often. Um, but Hong Kong will always have a piece of my heart purely because of the wonderful um, style of upbringing I had, you know, it was uh, second to none really. I'm very lucky that we grew up before the handover. Um, yeah. So you really got to see the authenticness of, of Hong Kong before it got kind of re-emerged back into China. Did you ever go to Lang Kwai Fong? Yeah, yeah, all the time, yeah. <laughs> Me, too. Me too. Okay, don't look that up. Don't Google that, folks, because we weren't hanging out there having cocktails. <laughs> cool place. <laughs> place in Hong Kong that we used to visit so so tell me about this series called the ribbon duet it's really yeah. I love seeing all your fans messaging you and they love you and they're swept up in this series and they're crying and they're tell me a bit about this series what it means to you um it actually means quite a lot that that series um mainly because um you know dark romance to me it's not just about the captive storyline or the you know the bad language or the explicit sex it's, it's more about um darker situations and dark situations is about violence as well um but also about emotional tragedy and things that you can't control um and i was in the process of writing the body painter last year so i'm very well overdue on that book um but then ren popped into my head and um it literally happened in an afternoon and by the end of the day, I had 10,000 words written um, and I couldn't couldn't stop. So um, The Boyner's Ribbon was the easiest book I've ever written. I wrote that very quickly. Um, basically, I was just the, the method for the story to come out. Um, and then um, probably by the second day, I knew what Ren's fate was. Um, and then I spent the next few months while writing The Girl and Her Ren, trying to prevent that from happening. Uh, I wasn't comfortable with it. I wasn't um, prepared to write it. Um, but unfortunately, characters are definitely a big part of my process. And that's the way he wanted to do it. So um, I didn't know how the market would take it, if I'm honest. I did wonder if I was going to commit career suicide. Um, but I've been very, very lucky that it did find the audience that I wanted it to find. And um, yeah. And you know, Stephen King always says the book is the boss. But that's hard sometimes. That's true. But um, it seems to me that you really get, when you're writing, you get swept up into these amazing characters and situations. And do you think 
part of that is the fact that you're able to write so many words in one go that you just, there's another saying and it's called tap the vein, that you just get into the moment and then you just go and then they just take over and you're just typing as fast as you can. That's what your process sounds like to me. Is that what it is? Yeah, um, some years I vary and some books I vary. Um, uh, at the moment, because I've got so many life things happening, I, I'm not able to get into the zone and write 12 hours a day. You know, there's a lot of things uh, requiring um, attention outside of work. However, for the first few years, yes, definitely. Um, that was my life. I basically did nothing apart from eat, sleep and write. Um, and I can remember one day very clearly that that, that process happened to me. It sucked me in uh, completely. Um, it was writing Third Debt, which is the fourth book in the Indebted series. And that was the book that I had seen in my head when I first started the series. So it was, you know, a real pinnacle moment. I could not wait to write it. I knew exactly what was going to happen in every scene. And I think I wrote about 15 and a half thousand words in four hours. Um, and I just remember uh, finishing and thinking, oh, God, where did the time go? And oh, my goodness, look how much <laughs> many chapters I did. And uh, for the rest of the day, I had to just go and soak my hands and rest in hot water because they were in agony. Oh my goodness, that must be a record. I think the most I've ever written in one session is 5,000 and I thought I was a superstar. Um, that's like, must be like record breaking. That's incredible. So um, when you're writing, do you just go all the way through to the end of the novel or do you keep working on one chapter? What's your process there? Again, I've kind of changed lately, but I'm probably go back to my original. So normally um, I'd write... Um, very shorthand, uh, riddles with typos. I'd actually get notices from Word saying there's too many typos. We're not going to bother trying to um, point them out to you. Um, and it would basically just be the roughest draft that no one would be able to understand if they, they got hold of it. Um, and then I write as long as the storyline is crisp in my mind, I would just continually write. Um, the minute that something didn't sit right or the plot line changed or the character did something that you know I wasn't um, prepared for, it would upset the balance, so then I'd go back to the very beginning, start editing, start amending, start tweaking, and by the end of the process, I'll have probably have been through the entire book about nine times. Um, these days, uh, I am actually editing as I go, um, but again, I think that's because I, I'm, I'm balancing work and life differently, and I think my process has changed a bit. Um, in terms of speed, I do still manage to get the amount of words down, but it is a much cleaner draft, which I'm happy about. Yes. And I love, thank you so much. I'm so excited for you to share this with us because I feel like there's like mystery surrounding what you're doing behind the scenes because you're amazing. Sometimes I look at you and you're like typing on holiday, on vacation. And I'm like, how does she do this? Amazing. It's oh, so you, well, you, you have to be in the, the same spot to write, do you? Or? Yeah, I write in my office. I couldn't write anywhere, okay. I don't think. Yeah. I have to be kind of just quiet in the office. I do have a dog, a little Sherlock, who sits by my feet now and again and makes huffing noises like he's bored. But other than that, okay. <laughs> which is not good. <laughs> but other than that, yeah. I love the way recently I saw something you wrote about finding balance because you have, you have, do you have two horses? I've got four, um, but technically two big ones that I ride. So I, I'm responsible for the exercise and the mental well-being of getting out of the paddock. And then we've got two little ones. So they only come up to about your knees. Uh, so they're just big dogs, really. And um, they're very cheeky and uh, adorable. And they get to go on hand walks like dogs as well. So 
technically four. <laughs> Wonderful, because it sounds like that. Like I felt this when I got Sherlock. We rescued him from. Um, okay. And I felt that the more I, I my writing improved, the more I had this balance with my life. Do you find that? Yeah. When you're getting getting some ideas coming to you when you're not actually writing because you're out of that place. Um, yes and no. Yes, um, definitely. If you're having a break from work per se, yes, your brain just explodes with ideas. I think um, what I did last year is I, I, I said, right, I need a break from work in general. And, um, you know, as lovely as I, um, you know, I, I can't help it. I live in my imagination. It's a rich place to be. Um, you know, that's the curse of being a writer or the privilege of being a writer. Um, but last year, I kind of just wanted to focus on the reality around me so I kind of made a point of not chasing those storylines that came into my mind um, which was probably good because as you'll know as an author a lot of storylines come to you and you think oh that could be the next big thing and you write it down and then you spend the day you know trying to formulate um, what can happen and nine times out of ten you don't use that plot line um, so this has kind of forced me to focus on the ones that stick around and make a, an impression and then I don't even really need to write those down they're kind of just there waiting in the background that's wonderful that's absolutely fabulous I know how um I see how prolific you are and then I'm just like oh gosh no wonder if she's writing that many amount of work well I don't think I deserve that title anymore because I mean uh yes uh, before um 2018 the time is going so fast um I was releasing about five or six books a year um but last year I only released two was it two yeah two oh, no. so um so I did cut down <laughs> that's still amazing absolutely um when i announced in the vanessa fearing's romance lounge that you were coming on the show there was so much excitement and i what i do is i open it up to uh the members of the group and i and i've picked a few questions out that they have okay um so we have a few um and then uh yeah so let's kick off with those gina okay. who is your favorite author Oh, again, a really, really tough one. Um, it depends what sort of mood I'm in, um, where you are in life, and which sort of storylines really kind of nail it. Um, basically, I love a whole range of genres. So I love Nalini Singh. I love it for her fantasy and her long sweeping arcs with the Psy Changeling series. Um, I love Jean Emma Rule with The Plan of the Cave Bear. I literally read that series when I was about 17, and I felt like I could go and be a cave woman. It was just so well-researched. Uh, Diana Gabaldon with the Outlander series again with those long sweeping arch lines um, right down to you know the rock stars of romance today like Lauren Blakely and you know uh, Christine Reese. Um, everyone brings something to the literary world which is just the best thing about this world. Yeah I know I so agree I, um, those are some of my favorite authors too and the Sometimes you, I just listen to or read them or listen to them on audiobook and I'm just like, oh gosh, I'm so humbled. They're amazing. Um, exactly. And, and I suppose I'm, I'm, I know I have, um, I don't know if it's a, a flaw or a positive, but I write big books. I, I can't not write them. It does drive me nuts sometimes that I can't write, you know, a, a great, well concise um, storyline in one 50,000 word book. Um, I mean, The Sun and Its Hope that I released in February and um, that was 173,000 words. And unfortunately, that isn't the first one I've done. The Unseen Messages is the same length, destroyed as 147,000. So um, it's definitely a commitment for a reader to read me, so I'm, um, which makes me even more honoured that people do. 
and, and stick with me and, and very long audiobooks as well. That's fantastic though because if they, the listeners or the readers get into a character they usually want to hang out with them for some time. Um, yeah and that's kind of like me as well like with the, the larger sagas I'm like if I find something I love then I, I don't want it to end kind of thing as long as it's interesting and it doesn't get boring uh, I'm in for the long call definitely. I, I completely agree. So we have another question, a Lupita. She wants to know, I hope I said that right. She wants to know, um, and we kind of touched on this a little bit before, in Jacob, um, it's uh, Jacob and his horse. You talk about Jacob's bond with his horse. Um, yeah. Ribbon duet. Um, what kind of relationship does Jacob have with his horse and as far as the bonding? Do you have that same relationship with your horse, that kind of, you're connected maybe on a spiritual level? Oh, definitely. And that's, that's kind of where it came from. So he rides his horse at liberty, which means no tack. So no saddle, no bridle, no methods of control. And basically you're at the mercy of this animal. So unless the animal likes you and wants to do your bidding, you've got no chance. Um, and that's kind of what I strive to do with my animals, as in uh, I've got the two, the two big ones that I ride. They're both very different in personality. Sunny, my black gelding, he is very cheeky. He's, you know, up for anything. He's always playful. Um, he can be a little bit naughty on the trail, but that comes from cheekiness. Um, and I know that. And we've got a great bond. He's kind of like a, a puppy dog. Whereas Barley, the, uh, the mare, she basically took a year to like me. Um, very very tricky very very opinionated very um stubborn and i feel like she would be quite like jacob's horse whereas you've really got to earn their trust and earn their, their you know affection but once you've earned it you've pretty much got it for life oh my gosh i think animals sometimes if they've had a bit of a history um and then in they come and meet you and they're spending time with you that it sometimes it does take them a little while to trust you know and it does yeah it does it's consistency, isn't it? They're like, well, let's just see how things go. And after a year or so, they're like, oh, actually, you are kind of cool. <laughs> you are going to be cool. Exactly. That's exactly it. Yeah. And same with your dog, Sherlock. I'm sure it took a while to, to tell him that life with you would be different. And, you know, the rescue home was his forever home. So, yeah, it definitely. Um, unfortunately, he went through quite a bit before we got him. So um, he still takes a little bit of um, time to... Uh, nervous here and there but we're, we're getting there we're getting there he's a sweet boy yeah okay Isla, um what is the most uh i think it's a pivotal moment since becoming an author oh pivotal moment um i know someone's probably going to think oh you know it'll be maybe when tears are tested do super well and things but i can actually probably pinpoint two moments and the one was when I was very young, I was probably eight or nine, and in Hong Kong, um, I had gone to the school system in Hong Kong, but at this time I was being homeschooled by my mum, and I just adored creative writing. And I can remember that's all I wanted to do, um, all the assignments she gave me, I hated all of it apart from writing. I wrote everything. And I kind of forgot about that as you get older and you go to high school and, you know, life gets in the way. And then when I met my husband uh, a few years in, um, I kind of woke up and I was like I want to write a book and um, he was very very supportive and that day we went out and bought a laptop and laptops were still very expensive <laughs> at that time and um, yeah once I got that it was all over it was basically an obsession and um, it took me six years uh, before I released Tears of Test. Wow. 
but it was worth it. <laughs> oh, definitely, definitely. Yeah, our, our life is, uh, um, you know, I'm so, so grateful for being able to write. I'm not saying that it's the best content, but it definitely um, comes from uh, a deep place inside me, and I'm very, very grateful that people enjoy them. See, I mean, your fans go crazy for you, so they love you. So, um, you're not if you're not online that much because you're writing so much. So, I think that maybe you don't always see it. But okay, another question. Susie wants to know what's the hard. Am I allowed to ask this? What's the hardest book you ever wrote? Oh, hardest one. Um, probably The Girl and Her Wren for obvious reasons. Um, which I probably won't go to in the podcast because I don't want to ruin it for anyone. But that was hard, that was emotionally hard. Um, what else? Um, I probably found Destroyed was hard as well, uh, mainly because um, Hazel and Fox, they were quite tricky characters to nail down. And um, it did give me a few sleepless nights trying to get that on paper. Yeah. Yeah, I can relate with um, when I'm writing sometimes. It feels like you're trying to get something out of your skin. Through your skin. That's anyway. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Something out of your, your body. It's such a physical experience as well. Um, sometimes non-writers don't get it. So it sounds a little crazy. Um, right now, yeah. <laughs> we all are. Yeah, the next book you've got coming out is The Body Painter. Is that right? Yeah, it is. Yeah, so that's um, well overdue. Um, kind of put that aside, unfortunately, for Ren and Della. Um, but um, the characters, Gil and Olin, uh, they're firmly implanted in my mind now, and I'm loving writing them. So um, I've started that book three times, and I've, I've had a combined about 90,000 words on it, but I've got, scrapped it all um, to start fresh. Um, and yeah, it, I'm, I'm loving how it's turning out now. One, I think I saw one question online of when that might come out. Am I allowed to ask that? I was very, very tentative. I know what it's like when I'm writing. Yes, yeah, um, I, you can ask, definitely, whether I have an answer, I don't know. Um, we are actually just about to move house uh, in a month. So that is obviously, as you can imagine, taking up quite a lot of time. Um, but I am getting a lot of work done, which is fantastic. So um, the book will be ready quite soon. Um, however, it will be a duet. So I'm of two minds to uh, wait until I've got the second one written so that they can both come out very quickly instead of making you guys wait, you know, without knowing a date for the second one. So that's probably what I'm going to do. So there will be a little bit of a longer wait, but then at least you'll get both and, and done and dusted. So it will definitely be this year, though, 100%. <laughs> okay. Um, so that's what you're working on now. Do you have any advice for writers? I love to ask this question because everyone has a little nugget that's different. Yeah, advice. Um, I, I, I am pretty terrible at this question. Um, basically, I can tell everything, you know, I mean, uh, waffle on for ages. Uh, I suppose my main advice would be um, if you do, if you feel it in you and it's um, something you've got to do, then obviously you're going to be writing anyway. Um, probably the biggest thing is um, don't let other people's opinion sway you. Um, when I started writing Tears of Tess, um, I wasn't online then. Uh, I didn't have the network that I do now, which I'm very grateful for. Um, I only had one better reader who kind of wrote beside me. And um, it was only her opinion who mattered. However, at the time, she was like, oh, my goodness, are you really writing this subject? Uh, I wouldn't if I were you. Um, and I kind of, you know, almost took her advice. Uh, but I stayed true to the characters and didn't simplify it down, I guess. And that's probably my main advice is in take advice, 
but at the end of the day, stay true to you. And if that's the story you want to write, then that's the story you've got to write. That's fabulous. I absolutely love that. It's like trust yourself, trust the process, but most importantly, trust yourself. Exactly, exactly. Do you have any messages or a message for your fans? Yes, thank you. A massive, massive thank you. You know, I'm so, so honored that um you know they keep coming back for more sometimes i'm like why uh, what have i done <laughs> to deserve this um <laughs> and thank you for uh, understanding that i'm not the most you know online or most communicative author um with regards to being on social media um you know that is a personal choice to keep that balance and keep my mind healthy so i can keep writing for the rest of my life um but you know i am aware that um I do let them down in some aspects of not being online a lot so that's a huge huge thing that i do have to say thanks to you for i would say you're giving them all these amazing books and they love you and they get it so i think you're going to be fine i know you are oh. i know you're crazy, crazy busy but do you have any signings coming up that someone might be able to come and meet you i I don't right now. I'm very, very lucky that I do get invited to quite a few, um, a few, a, a couple of every day, really. Uh, and again, I'm very, very grateful. Um, as you know, travel is a huge commitment and it does take a lot. And with being so far down at the bottom end of the world, um, it isn't the easiest of things just to pop across somewhere. Um, however, you know, maybe 2020, I'll, I'll sit down and do a little bit of a tour like I did in, oh goodness, was it 2015? I can't remember, but it has been a while. <laughs> yeah. Well, I'm going to keep looking out to see if you're ever in the States. So maybe we'll do a signing sometime together and I'll be able to come over and give you a big hug. Thank you. Yeah, no, I, I really, really enjoyed the United States when I was there. Um, I think I did six signings in six weeks, um, but it was a great, great experience and everyone was just so lovely. I think I went with more. Well, I went with stuff in my suitcase to give away at signings. And I came back with an extra suitcase with how much I got given from signings, which I was not expecting. Um, the amount of generosity and um, uniqueness of gifts that people give, you know, I'm still blown away by it. And the skill that they use to create these things, it's amazing. Yeah, that is fabulous. See how, how, how much everybody loves you. That's absolutely brilliant. So Pepper, thank, That's, um, you. thank you for joining us on the Romad Show. We managed to catch you, our unicorn. Yes, finally. I'm, I'm sorry about that. Sorry it took a while. <laughs> we, trust me, I absolutely get it. Um, I really do. And so we're just so honoured that you were able to kind of take some time out of your incredible schedule and uh, chat with us today on the Romad Show. I know many of your fans can be so excited to listen in to um, to it and. Uh, know a little bit more about you well thank you so much it was great fun and like i say i'm re really grateful for all of it and for your patience and uh and putting up with me so no thank oh, you it was such a pleasure thank you so much and thank you guys no for listening to the romance show podcast if you've enjoyed the show we'd love you to go over to apple podcasts and rate us thank you to my wonderful producer pam stack now, this is a major week for me. My latest romance novel, Pervade London, is out, and I couldn't be more excited. It's an MFF, it's super sexy, super hot, so I'd love you to check it out. It's on Amazon KU. And those of you who've read the novel and left reviews, I'm so grateful for you every single day. 
Um, if you're not in Vanessa Pierce's Romance Lounge on Facebook, come join us now. And that's it uh, for now. Uh, keep your books open and your heart.